Welcome to the Basana Health and Wellness Podcast. At Basana Health, we focus on whole body wellness, connecting physical, spiritual, and mental well-being. We are wellness collaborators with our members, and we embrace our community partnerships. Basana Health promotes holistic and functional care while focusing on transformative lifestyle changes. Welcome to our podcast, where you can take a virtual step towards optimizing your own health and wellness. Welcome to the Basana Health and Wellness Podcast, episode number 24. Today we hear from Susan Eichorst, our PA, who specializes in health and hormones. And Susan is going to share with us how food can be your medicine. Eating the right foods can help your body to be as healthy as possible. Listen in, you won't want to miss out. Hi, everyone. I'm Susan Eichorst. I'm a physician assistant here at Basana Health and Wellness. And today we're continuing our webinar series, and I'm going to be talking about using food as medicine, but also you'll learn food can also be poison for us. So I like to start with what is food? Food is actually any nutritious substance that people or animals eat or drink or that plants absorb in order to maintain life and growth. This is according to the Oxford Dictionary. So it really does lend itself to understand that food is really not just about calories for energy. Food contains important and vital information that communicates with our genes, helps them to express uh, certain functions. This is the science of nutrigenomics and is becoming much more understood. We need to start looking at food for the vast array of colors within our vegetables and fruits because these represent roughly 25,000 different phytonutrients that help us humans prevent disease and improve our health. And it's always best to consume your food in its whole or unprocessed form if possible. I'd like to just take a minute to talk about health versus disease. You know, we consider our health and most of us will look at what are my options or what um, opportunities will I have for health or disease as I age. So we look at our family history as a primary gauge of that. Well, the great news is that really your family history only contributes about 10% of what your total outcome is. The nice part is really, it's what do you do with those genes? So that's why so many things are so important to how we age and why so many of us age differently than other people, other family members. We also want to consider the mitochondria. The mitochondria is a very small, but very powerful structure within our cells. Each cell has a mitochondria. This is where we produce our internal energy, something called ATP. And when mitochondria become damaged, disease follows. And then thirdly, it's really all about the microbiome. Our microbiome or the bacteria, fungi, yeast, and even viruses that live very symbiotically within our, our intestines, our large intestine particularly, really help to support and maintain our health. And when these become imbalanced, that's when disease can result. I always like to remind myself and my patients that we're just cavemen, cave people. We have genes that really have not evolved to live in this very toxic 21st century world. We have too many environmental impacts that affect us, but our genes only know how to respond in a couple of different ways. And that's why food can be so impactful on our health and on our disease state. This is one of the biggest problems is over the last 50 years, we have really started to believe this is food. This is really artificial food. The IC3 pieces of food in 
any of these pictures. And that's all the way down in the bottom right picture. There's a banana, a green apple, and a tangelo. That is food. The rest of this is really what we call man-made food products. These come from big corporations. They are formulated from just a couple of different ingredients that we mix up to make breakfast, lunch, and dinner foods, quote unquote foods, and then some snacks for in between. Uh, we use highly processed corn, wheat, and rice, large amounts of high fructose corn syrup, processed vegetable oils, and artificial sweeteners and colors. None of these really constitute food. Even if you're embracing a gluten-free diet, which I personally follow, and I encourage almost all of my patients to follow, especially if they have autoimmunity in their family or in their, themselves, just because it's a gluten-free product absolutely does not mean it's healthy. We still use processed corn, rice, instead of wheat. We've eliminated the wheat, but you still get all these other processed foods. There's a ton of sugar in these, these products, and of course, the processed oils. If it's a pretzel, if it's cake, if it's a cookie, even if it's gluten-free, it's still junk food. Most of us are probably not aware where a lot of these man-made food products even come from. They are the subsidiaries of really just about 10 different corporations. And when you do look at it in that respect, big food compiles about $2 trillion a year as an industry. That's us paying them to give us food products that are unhealthy for us. The big food has very powerful lobbyists in Washington, D.C. They have a lot of money to spend to influence our representatives and lawmakers on how they make rules and regulations surrounding the food industry, surrounding the products that, that are produced. And it's a little bit questionable when a group like the American Academy of Pediatrics accepts money and donation from companies like Coca-Cola, Pepsi-Cola, and McDonald's Corporation. That must make it very challenging for them to make a stand against fast food and junk food for our kids if they're actually being supported by these companies. I think most of us are not quite aware of what subsidies are. I know that they can be very helpful for our farmers, but 70% of our subs subsidies really go for corn, soybean, and wheat. These are monocultures that over time can destroy our soil, but also then we have to do something with these products. The USDA or the US Department of Agriculture, their mission is to regulate not only aspects of agriculture, but they also compile our food pyramid. So if they're subsidizing at such a high rate for these products, they're obviously going to put them into our food pyramid itself. And then interestingly, numerous countries companies are currently actively fighting with large amounts of money against the GMO labeling of their products. And here's just a little sampling of these companies that really do not want consumers to know that they're GMO products within their products. There's endorsements that come through. So we think that obviously if the FDA or the American Heart Association the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics has endorsed this, such as vegetable oil instead of butter and lard, then these must be appropriate products for us to consume. Other endorsements, uh, the USDA really 
promoted a very low fat, high grain diet in the 1970s, despite solid evidence against this form of lifestyle. And we saw diabetes rates soar, we saw dementia rates soar, hypertension, and certainly obesity as well. So here's the food pyramid that came out of the USDA. As you can see, it's recommending six to 11 different servings of grain products, whether that's rice, bread, cereal, or pasta. That's the foundation that they feel that we should be eating. Then you add on some fruit and vegetables. Then you add on some meat and cheese and eventually some oils to be used sparingly. Don't forget crafty marketing. You know, the marketing companies are very good at sugarcoating things, no pun intended. Here's a good example with Cheerios, Honey Nut Cheerios. They do proclaim that they are heart healthy. They are gluten-free. Interestingly, Soluble fiber found in oats certainly can lower total cholesterol by about six to seven points within about four to six weeks. However, when you look at the ingredients in this product, the second ingredient is sugar, followed by a little oat bran, but then you have cornstarch, which just becomes a sugar, honey, let's add a little brown sugar syrup just to have a little more sweetness, some processed canola oil. Fortunately, we've got some natural almond flavor, but I doubt there's very much in there. And then they do fortify this with some vitamins as well. But this is not a heart healthy product at all. And then lastly, we start young in the marketing department. We advertise for cereal on TV. Kids associate that with their favorite heroes and cartoon characters. Candy is easily displayed at the front of the store and in nearly any type of store. You go to a hardware store, they're selling candy. You go to Office Max, they're selling candy. It's right at eye level, bright colors to appeal to kids, and they remember that stuff and really hit up mom for these products. So now that we know all this stuff, what do we do? We really want to eat real food. We want to eat not too much of it, and please mostly plants. This is according to Michael Pollan, who is a well-known science uh, journalist. We really need to get back to truly nutritional foods. We want foods that can feed and promote a healthy microbiome. The more your bacteria and the microbiome in the gut are happy and well-balanced, this is what's really going to help make us the healthiest that we can be. Good nutritional food helps to regulate our hormones, helps to regulate neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin, helps to regulate our immune system, which at this time during COVID time, even flu season, cold season coming up, you really want your immune system up to par so that it knows how to fight these infections without going crazy and haywire on us. And then finally, good nutritional foods will balance and maintain good glucose and insulin levels. This is the part of the story you really want to get familiar with. And everybody knows this, but this is really just a good reminder on why this is so important. I am all about plants as a basis for our food pyramid, but I also believe that many of us enjoy eating meat. And frankly, meat is not unhealthy for us if it's in the correct form. I really stress to people, please go out of your way to look for pasture-raised chicken and eggs versus cage-free, which is the picture on the bottom. I think people think that's a little more humane when they're cage-free, but as you can see, these chickens are just sitting in a big room. They may have some windows open, but they're piled on top of each other and they are not free to eat what they want. The chickens on top 
They're out in the open, they're in the sunshine, they're hanging out in the grass with their chick friends, but they're also eating grubs, they're eating insects, they're finding seeds. They are not eating wheat and corn and products that really are not usual in a chicken's diet. On the meat side, cows really should be grass-fed, grass-finished. We want them out in the pasture as well to eat whatever they want, which is really the grasses. Traditional feedlots or industrial beef, I sent two feedlots where they are fed a primary diet of grains. So we all know you are what you eat, but please don't forget, you are what you eat ate as well. So here's a pyramid I can live with. This is Dr. Mark Heinen. He is uh, well-known in the functional medicine world. He runs the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine. And he came up with a great pyramid that really highlights unlimited amount of non-starchy vegetables. You do not have to count any calories. You eat as many as you want. You can have them cooked in various ways, but we really need plants as our basis. On top of that, that's where we get into three to five servings of fat per day. We'll talk a little bit more about fats in a minute and then some protein. Then the next level is fruits. But here we do have to be a little bit cautious. Berries are kind of unlimited. Berries are so helpful for us. Lots of anthocyanins, lots of phytonutrients, but some of these fruits can get a little bit high in their sugar content. I think the best way to look at fruit is eat fruit when it's in season. You know, a mango in the middle of January is not coming off most of our trees. Really kind of focus on fruits that are not super high in sugary and use those as treats. And then going up that ladder, you've got beans and legumes, non-gluten grains, that's quinoa, brown rice. As examples, you can use unlimited amounts of spices and herbs. And I really encourage you to learn to cook and really embrace different flavors because that, again, where some of this magic happens between our microbiome and how our genes react. And then all the way at the top, it's really sparingly, it's recreational treats would be wine and alcohol, those you want to use sparingly. So again, go back to your organics. They're always going to be beneficial for you, but that's not always possible for everybody. And some people really are working on quite a budget. It's easy to get some great information from the environmental working group every year. They put out their list of the dirty dozen. These foods represent produce that is traditionally grown with the highest level of pesticide and herbicides on them. So you really wanna, and strawberries comes out on top, I don't know, the last five, six, seven years. If nothing else, you buy strawberries, please indulge for your health and buy organic all the way down to the tomatoes down at the bottom. And all of this you can also find online every year. The Environmental Working Group also gives us the Clean 15. The Clean 15 are foods that really do not get loaded with pesticides. They have much less probability of being contaminated and tainted. However, if you can buy organic, it certainly is better for the environment always keep thinking, what are we leaving behind for the next generations? When we do eat organic, we're contributing to restorative agriculture. And this provides the grass-fed, grass-finished meats. I think this bears a little more explanation because there are a number of places that may advertise a grass-fed meat. However, the last two to six weeks of that steer's life, it actually may spend at the feedlot getting finished with grains or corn. So you really need to delineate, hey, is this meat from a grass-fed 
plus grass finished farm. You know, when you talk about grass fed, grass finished meats, they are very high in omega-3 fatty acids, roughly seven times that of the industrial raised beef. Our regenerative farmers actually make up to 20 times more of the profit. So if we're not subsidizing their crops, how about if we just encourage them to continue to grow these crops for us and raise these animals? And restorative agriculture considers the soil itself. You know, there's some estimates that if we continue industrial farming the way that we have, we're going to run out of harvests in about 60 years. So we really need to continue to replenish that soil. When we have animals in a feedlot, somebody's just cleaning all that manure up. When we have animals on a big pasture, then they are eating the grass, they're replanting that grass with their manure, which then helps to build and sequester more carbon, hold on to more water and regenerate that soil. This is where you want your steers and cows to live, not the last of their lives here in a feedlot. And then looking at the difference between these products, you know, grass-fed beef, these cattle are really free to roam on the pasture and really eat the grasses that grow there for them. It's leaner and juicier meat. It has a higher moisture content as I said, higher in omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin B6, beta carotene, has a higher antioxidant and anti-inflammatory compounds as well. Grain-fed cattle, they may taste a little better to some people's tastes because they may be a little sweeter because of the corn, but they're really fattened up by byproducts, corn, grain. And I've even heard stories of some big industrial farmers feeding their cattle Skittles or candy because that stimulates them to have more fat as well. You can definitely see the difference in these meats. The two on the top are grass-fed. Their fat's yellow compared to the white fat in the grain-fed meat, has a different color flesh, has a different flavor, and some people may desire one than the other. But I guarantee you, once you start changing some of your dietary choices and habits, your taste buds will change and you will really tell a difference between foods. When we talk about poultry, Again, we want to look at a pasture-raised chicken. On the left pictures, the smaller breast on the right is a pasture-raised chicken. Cage-free picture on the bottom uh, corresponds with the, the chicken breast on the left. You can see it's got a lot more striation of fat throughout it. It's meatier or bigger. Unfortunately, many of these birds can barely even stand on their own feet because we have bred them to have such huge breasts for consumption. But again, we're eating what they ate, and this is not really a healthy situation for us. We haven't talked about fish yet, and this is a little bit of a tricky topic in my mind because it looks like we're really having a, a problem with industrial fishing, which is barely regulated out there, it is decimating our oceans of a number of other fish that we don't even want. So a lot of people are looking at farmed options. Well, the problem with a farmed fish is unless it's under really ideal conditions, they have to use a lot of herbicides and pesticides. There's antibiotics use. As you can see, the meat is going to look very different. The slice on the right over here on the left picture only has about a quarter of the vitamin D that you find in a wild caught salmon. It's usually very pale pink. They actually feed these fish some pigmentation, some synthetic pigmentation to make their meat a little pinker, like a natural salmon. You know, we just don't know where this is going to go in the long run. So you really want to go out of your way to look for a wild caught salmon versus a farmed salmon. 
this may definitely change in the future. You know, technology keeps changing. We may have better techniques for farmed fishing, but as of right now, things really don't look all that great from a health perspective. So really keep thinking, eating healthy, clean, and nutrient-rich food fills your body with energy, nutrients, and antioxidants. Just imagine how your cells are going to feel when you do that, and they are going to say thanks. So there's tons of different diet types, and you can put a label on so many of them. I eat paleo. I eat Mediterranean. Dr. Mark Hyman likes to describe his recommendations as vegan. So it's partly paleo, but heavy on the vegan part. There are some people that only eat raw. There's other that only eat vegetarian or vegan, or even a carnivore diet. There are even specific diets, the ketogenic diet. It's extremely low in carbohydrates and induces us to go into something called ketosis. This is really a great diet for cancer diagnosis as an anti-cancer diet um, because cancer cannot live without glucose or sugar, but you and I can because we're able to make these ketone bodies that we can then convert into that internally and use that for our fuel. The ketogenic diet has been very helpful for patients with epilepsy, diabetes, and for weight loss. Dr. Terry Walls developed the Walls Protocol. Terry Walls is a family practice doctor in Iowa. She was part of the VA system for quite a while. She's now in private practice. But back in 2000, uh, she unfortunately was diagnosed with remitting, relapsing uh, multiple sclerosis. She continued to decline. Her doctors really didn't have much options for her besides the traditional medications. Uh, she eventually was in a wheelchair, able to do her rounds, but she really took it upon herself to do research and find a deep, deep dive into how foods and nutrients really feed into our health. She was able to fully reverse her disease. She is very active. She rides her bicycle multiple times. She is just an amazing woman. And she's really given hope to a lot of people with multiple sclerosis and many other autoimmune conditions. And then there are other diets, something like the specific carbohydrate diet that was developed for celiac and irritable bowel patients. This diet eliminates all gluten, grains, lactose, and sugar. So we can have a number of different names of things, but really they're all getting back down to the basics. They want you to eat real food. Continue to avoid high fructose corn syrup. Get that wheat that contains gluten and gliadin that are so inflammatory to us, as well as glyphosate, which is Roundup. That's very prevalent in our wheat products. And wheat is really just a starch. It just converts into sugar in our body. All of these diets really encourage us to eliminate the processed corn and rice, eliminate or greatly reduce our refined sugar. And please keep getting rid of your artificial sweeteners like Splenda, NutraSweet, and Equal. Artificial sweeteners are really bad news for humans. They are very highly addictive. They're a thousand times more sweet than sugar. They're very confusing to our body and our chemistry. They just spike our insulin levels. And when that happens, uh, we get hungrier. So actually people that do partake in artificial sweeteners actually do tend to gain more weight. They rewire our brain chemistry and our metabolism. They disrupt our microbiome. So that gets things out of kilter. And then they are associated with chronic fatigue syndrome, Parkinson's disease, multiple sclerosis, autism, and some cancers as well. So really a good idea to continue to get those artificial sweeteners out of there and get rid of that Diet Coke. Keep looking at labels. Again, the marketing people are very tricky. They come up with all sorts of different names to 
kind of trick us into thinking, oh, it's not that bad. It's, you know, it's pure cane sugar, or there was something else. Oh, Florida crystals. Like, what the heck is that? Or how bad can a little bit of maple syrup or grape sugar be? But really, they're all sugar. And sugar is eight times more addictive than cocaine. We are programmed to want and crave sugar. That's a mechanism for our survival. Because when we were cave people, we might come along some berries now and then. And we were programmed, hey, we better eat these. These are high energy, dense nutrients. Let's get these in there. And then we didn't see them for another season or two. That's why we become so addicted to sugar and why it is such a problem for so many of us. The other reason to continue to read or get used to reading labels is there's 124 different names for wheat and gluten sources. So you could easily get tripped up. If you don't really know how to decipher these things, you know, I, you just might think, oh, they just says there's starch in there or there's orzo. You just can't figure out what these names mean. And frequently they really do slip in and can get you in a lot of trouble. So preferred sweeteners would be something like monk fruit, pure stevia. Please go away from or avoid the purevia or truvia type forms because they do have corn fillers in them. Uh, coconut sugar is a good alternative. It has a low glycemic index. Organic maple syrup is a great idea. But please remember, these are still forms of sugar. They're not unlimited. They're not a free pass. Really everything we can do to reduce our sugar intake will reduce our risk of cancer, dementia, arthritis, blood pressure, and weight. Now we get to the fats, trans fats specifically, and partially hydrogenated trans fats are a real problem. These were actually developed to make shortening and margarine way back in the 1940s. These man-made foods increase our small LDL, the bad particles, and it lowers the good HDL particles. It really contributes to chronic inflammation, contributes to diabetes, obesity, stroke, dementia, and cancer, kind of an ongoing theme here. And interestingly, we were all excited because the FDA banned trans fats back in 2015. They mandated that foods um, had to be free of trans fats by 2018, although they extended that to 2019. But there's a huge loophole here. If a product has less than half a gram of a trans fat per serving, it can be listed as zero trans fat on the packaging. If somebody eats a six serving portion or bag of a snack and it says it's zero trans fats and there's half a gram per serving, they may actually be getting three grams of a trans fat. I, think, I always think this is pretty compelling looking. Um, this is a refinery, as most of us are going to recognize, but you can't tell by looking at these. Are they refining the oil I put in my car as gasoline, or are they refining the vegetable oil that we cook our dinner in? And this is a vegetable oil refinery plant. Be very cautious. You need to look at the ingredients for partially hydrogenated oils because these trans fats can hide microwave popcorn, donuts, pizza, frozen foods. If you just consider these on just the fact that they are processed foods, that would be a good reason to eliminate them, but also they contain these trans fats that are so harmful. But what are desirable fats? Well, fats are really good for us. Our brain loves fat. Fat doesn't make us fat. Sugar makes us fat. So you want to look for, again, a grass-fed butter. You want a ghee or is a clarified butter. All the butter solutes have been taken out and this has a much higher fat content. 
Clarified butter or ghee is also excellent to cook with because it has a really high smoke point. So it doesn't denature or break down while you're cooking with it. Avocado oil and coconut oil are also excellent for cooking for the same reason. Olive oil is fabulous. There is no doubt about it, but you do have to watch for fakes. I was just dismayed when I learned through a book called Fake Food that Italy is the largest exporter of olive oil, and that didn't surprise me, but Italy is also the largest importer of olive oil, and that didn't make any sense to me until I read further and learned that they really tend to blend some of those oils, so it may get through the grading process, but by the time that gets to market, gets overseas, and it's actually used in the kitchen, that is starting to get rancid. So you really want to use olive oil, you want to use a lot of it, but best that you can use it raw. The Italians and the Greeks actually do a shot of olive oil many days a week. I think their average is about a liter per month per person. And this is one of the reasons why that Mediterranean diet is so beneficial. But olive oil does break down at high temperatures. So sauteing it, it can break it down. It's really ideal to use it raw if possible. And then finally, medium chain triglyceride oil or MCT oil, that's gotten a lot of more press now. Uh, that's a form of coconut oil, something that um, is in a bulletproof coffee. That's where you put some kind of a grass-fed butter MCT oil into the coffee in the morning so that you get started with some fat to start your day. It's very satiating, but it also jumpstarts your brain. What about dairy? Dairy is a tough one. Most experts are gonna agree as far as the functional medicine, integrative medicine, natural paths, that really dairy should be avoided. You know, we're not calves. It is highly reactive to most Americans or most humans rather. You know, we initially thought that we needed dairy in our diet for our bone health. But as a study out of Sweden show, you know, Sweden has the highest milk intake, but they also have the highest fracture rate. So that doesn't seem to correspond. Many people are lactose intolerant. You know, in the white population, 25% are lactose intolerant, and that continues as they age. In the African-American, Asian, and Native populations here in the U.S., upwards to 75 to 90% of these people have lactose intolerance. And dairy is really highly associated with allergies. It's associated with weight gain, acne, eczema, bloating, gas, and even possibly cancer. I would say if you're going to eat dairy, please avoid conventionally raised cow dairy. Avoid skim 1% and 2% milk fat because really the fat is the healthiest part of the milk and we've just taken that out. Um, avoid low-fat yogurts. Yogurts are frequently just full of sugar. And a better way to get good probiotics is through kefir or fermented foods. Avoid cheese that's made from skin or reduced fat milk just for the same reason I listed above, and avoid cheese in a can. That's kind of an obvious one. As far as beverages, we really need to keep concentrating on water, especially here in Colorado, we're such a dry climate. Easiest, cheap way to figure out if you're having enough hydration is just look at your pee. Does it look like apple juice? Then you need some hydration. If it looks more like crystal light, then you're probably doing okay. I really encourage people to get a filter, like a Berkey filter or a reverse osmosis filter, because this will take out most of the contaminants that's in our tap water. And in my case, the Berkey filter will also take fluoride out of our water too. Mineral water is a great alternative. Green tea is awesome, helps to burn fats, a great antioxidant. Most of the herbal teas are really great for disease-fighting polyphenols, and they also help to good free radicals. There are some milk alternatives. 
soy milk. I'm cautious with that because much of our soy in the United States is GMO, but oat and almond and cashew milk, these can all be beneficial, but a number of them have added sugars and many of them have some other additives as preservatives. So again, getting in the habit of reading labels is really going to be helpful for you. Coffee, you know, coffee's got, it's good days and bad days, you know, it depends on what day of the week you're looking at studies. But the the one thing with coffee that you want to be careful of is a lot of it has got mold contamination. By the time it gets to us, it's already gotten through their processing plants, and a lot of that has got some mold contamination. So you really want an organic product. You want a higher-grade, mold-free coffee. Obviously, avoid sugar. You know, certainly the sugar with the artificial sweeteners, but there is so much added sugar in soda. It's just ridiculous. It's not worth the, the added calories and just what it does to us. Fruit juice is a real sad one because so many people feel like, hey, if I'm drinking juice, isn't this just as good as eating the fruit? But it's almost like mainlining sugar. You know, if you eat an apple, your body has to break down the it goes very slowly as to break it down. It's got the pectin. It can slowly digest it. It's got fiber in it. So you're slowly going to get this sugar into your, your system. If you drink fruit juice, it goes right through the liver, in through the pancreas, you know, the pancreas gets stimulated. You have just spiked your sugar pretty high. And then please avoid or be very cautious with sports and energy drinks. They have massive amount of sugar and caffeine. And most of us really do not need the electrolyte push that they say that we do. So what are our takeaways here? I think we really need to consider that sugar should be used like a recreational drug. You know, check labels for added sugar. That's where these things get snuck in. Look for labels for knowing what kind of sugar is in there. And the more you can get away from sugar, your body will crave it less and less. That will be a lot easier for you. Please know our modern wheat today is nothing like the ancestors wheat that they ate. Even our great grandparents wheat was different. Now, as I mentioned earlier, our wheat is laced with Roundup, which upsets the microbiome. It is uh, bred to be have much higher levels of gluten. It has a higher yield. It's got higher carbohydrate level. It is not worth it. And almost all of the, the experts that I follow really encourage us to get wheat out of our diet. Do consider the quality counts. If you can afford it, please buy organic. Look for grass-fed, grass-finished meat. I encourage meat for a diet if somebody wants to do that. Um, but I do think it matters very much on what kind that is. And the same with our fish and our poultry. And don't forget, it's clean food, but also clean water and clean air that are so important to our healthy lifestyles. And I think Thomas Edison was way ahead of his time by saying, you know, the doctor of the future will give no medicine, but will interest his patients in the care of their human frame, in diet and in the cause and prevention of disease. There's lots of support out there. Our office offers functional medicine consultation. I specialize more in hormone balancing, but food is really a passion for me because it's just totally changed my life. And there are so many options out there to learn. All of these experts really respect that many lay people really want to do the right thing for their health, but don't know where to get started. Some of these books kind of get a little technical because they recognize that their practitioner colleagues are also reading them, and so they're learning from them. But do know that these things are out there. This is readily available. Most of these colleagues will even put out YouTube videos. They may have recipe books. There's lots of options to learn out there. 
And according to Ann Wigmore, who again was ahead of her time, the food you eat can either be the safest and most powerful form of medicine or the slowest form of poison. Ann Wigmore was a naturopath in the 40s and 50s, and she pretty much was ahead of her time with respect to promoting a raw diet and really using food for its beneficial properties. So don't forget, please go out and eat the rainbow. All of these different foods have such good qualities to help us heal and really get the lifestyle that we're looking for as we age. Appreciate you joining us in today. Please be in touch with us if we can be of any help. We look forward to you in the future. Thanks. The Sauna Health and Wellness Podcast is brought to you by Atagi Plastic Surgery and Atagi Skin Aesthetics. Check us out at atagimd.com. A-T-A-G-I-M-D.com. We offer plastic surgery, skin aesthetics, non-surgical treatments, and hormone therapy. Some of the many things we offer include Botox, dermal fillers, Exilis Skin Tightening, Kybella, Skin Aesthetics, All Therapy, Vanquish Fat Reduction, PRP Hair Restoration, PRP Breast Lift, and Hormone Health. Follow us on our website at atagimd.com to learn about all of our specials and events each month. Some of our specials include monthly discounts off products and services or wrinkle-free Wednesdays. Check us out at atagimd.com.